0: Welcome to the Wealth with Purpose podcast, where people come to learn what the Bible says about money, wealth, and business. Be inspired by some of the greatest Christian thinkers and commentators from around the planet. Enjoy this episode with your host, Alex Cook.
1: We're back onto some money issues again today with finance expert, Alex Cook. There seems to be a couple of speeds. There might even be more than two, but uh, two speeds in our communities. Either you are flourishing despite these more difficult times, or you might even find yourself in survival mode. Interest rates on hold again this week, but fuel prices are rising. In fact, it appears petrol stealing is even on the rise, people filling up and driving off from the bowser without paying. Holding it all together when things are tough is a challenge. Either we need to right-size our spending or increase our earnings. Well, we're back on money issues again today, and it could be on any type of topic you might like to talk about. We'll start talking about some of the challenges, but there are all sorts of issues around investing uh, or uh, issues to do with uh, even estate planning, all sorts of things you might like to ask Alex Cook. So 1-800-316-316. And we can take some calls a little earlier than usual. 1-800-316-316. Alex Cook is a former stockbroker. He's been a successful financial planner. He's the founder of Wealth With Purpose. His ministry is to help equip Christians to honour God with their finances by teaching sound financial skills. Alex Cook, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Great to be back again. Hey, Alex, um, just before we get into any specifics, how are you seeing things uh, more generally? If you're taking a big picture view, uh, where we're at, as I was in the introduction just saying, you know, there's perhaps two speeds, some are doing well and some are in survival mode. What are your thoughts about how things are progressing economically for ordinary Aussies?
2: Yeah, look, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's very much two-speed. And what I'm seeing is what I saw is generational gap. So for example, you've got the older generation. If you if you own your own home, you've you've paid it off, you're not paying rent, then generally speaking, with the exception of energy costs, you're actually doing pretty well. Whereas the younger generations, where you know, if you're renting, you know, rents have gone up thirty percent since twenty twenty, and then If you've got a mortgage, which, of course, many people under 55 do, uh, they're experiencing a 60% increase in principal and interest home loan repayments, which is huge. Um, So you you see this gap. And so I'm seeing with my older clients, you know, talking about going on nice uh, European holidays. and then I talk to younger clients and they're
1: thinking, oh, how am I going to, what do I have to cut back on? And isn't it? So there is that big gap that's going on. When you are a financial advisor and people are asking your advice, um, I, my suspicion is that typically people who are a little better off are employing you as a financial advisor, whereas those who are on. The breadline. those who are struggling right now, they're probably not talking to you as a financial advisor because, you know, there might be a fee. And I'm not just you, but a financial advisor in someone's community. That might be a real challenge for some. So just getting some good expert advice for where you might be at right now, this is the challenge for a lot of people who are doing it tough. Look, you've hit the
2: nail on the head, particularly in regards to financial advice. Financial advice is become, it's becoming increasingly expensive, uh, and there's two predominant reasons. Firstly, there's a massive shortage of financial advisors, so it's dropped by more than a third of advisors have dropped out over the last uh, five years. Uh, then, of course, the compliance costs have gone up massively as well. So many advisors have simply uh, had to put up their fees and, of course, you've got a supply and demand issue.
1: Okay, This generational gap, uh, young people and older people, is there something particularly important in families right now where young people who are doing it tough might actually have a listening ear for those who are... Uh, a little more senior. Any thoughts here for, you know, generation gaps and things that might happen, you know, just to try and rescue a survival situation even within a family?
2: Yeah, look, in terms of family, can you help out uh, your younger generations? Um, I think there's certain things you do. I mean, one thing you're going to see is people... Uh, consolidated living so you're going to see potentially younger generations moving back home with mum and dad and certainly I'd say if you if you're not married go certainly go home and live with mum and dad if you can because that way you'll save save a fortune uh, but then equally uh, you're going to have this issue of what can I do to cut my discretionary spending to try and get control of what's going on because there's certain things you can't cut. You know, obviously, we, you, know, you mentioned before, people are stealing petrol now. I mean, at the end of the day, people have got to get to work. And and so you've got this situation whereby, um, uh, you know, people are feeling under such pressure that, you know, they now feel compelled to steal. So it's, it's, it's tragic, tragic. But the reality is uh, looking at how do we deal with this, trying to cut back on discretionary spending, I think, is a, a huge one at the moment. Uh, and trying to do a budget and look at where, identify where you're spending your money and uh, where you can cut where you can cut back. So it's, a
1: big, uh, it's a big challenge for people. You know you've got a car to drive, uh, you've got an image amongst your friends and uh, they might look like they're doing well and you don't look or you may want to try and look like you're doing well, but you're not doing so well. Uh, there's certain, you know, identity and keeping up with the Joneses. uh, Those sorts of issues too, when times are tough and you maybe not wanting to uh, make those cutbacks that might be necessary for survival and maybe you're just running up the credit card debt. Uh, Challenges aren't there because it's not just uh, simple black and white uh, stop spending. A lot of people have got a lot of image issues.
2: Well, absolutely. And that's where I say, you know, money is deeply spiritual, In fact, uh, there's a book uh, written by a guy called Clive Hamilton. He's a social commentator. And uh, he wrote a book called Affluenza. And in it he says people spend money uh, they don't have to buy things they don't need to impress people they don't like. (laughs) And uh, in one sense it's kind of funny, but the reality is that's a, a reality of human nature. And, of course, therefore that has a huge impact on how we behave with money because ultimately financial success is driven by how you behave with money. But when we are driven by external factors, you know, our, things that what we're witnessing around us, people having things that we don't have and we want it, you know, and we, we fall into the trap of envy or discontentment uh, that leads to poor fin- financial behavior. And of course, therefore poor financial outcomes and can have a huge flow on effect to our families and to our kids.
1: Let's come back to the petrol stealing for a few moments here because when you're doing it tough and there seems to be no other option, uh, people resort to uh, things like stealing and uh, you know, certainly not condoning stealing at all, uh, but there's a certain sense in which if you have a job to go to and you have a car to get there and you can't get there any other way other than having petrol in the tank but you have no money to put petrol in the tank, Um, You know, uh, while you can never condone stealing and stealing from the service station, which might be run by a small business operator who's also doing it tough and trying to make ends meet and can't Mm. do with having that fuel stolen right now. They need that uh, extra profit in in their own uh, coffers. Uh, But, you know, how do you resolve this sort of thing? Who's to blame? Uh, Is government doing enough, pulling enough levers to try and alleviate some of these sorts of things? What are your thoughts around the fact that some people are tempted to steal just to stay afloat?
2: Yeah, well, like you say, um, you know, we certainly never want to advocate people stealing. Uh, how do you solve these issues is, is more complex. I mean, I think the government really needs to get inflation under control. But it's even then, it's not that simple because if you look what's going on with the oil price, which is obviously driving up fuel costs, Um a lot of that's driven by supply at the OPEC level. So OPEC at trying to keep supply levels low, which keeps the price high. And so, you know, that has a direct then flow through impact to the Bowser. So in one sense, Australian politicians can't actually do anything about that anyway. Um, what I would say is potentially, if you can, you've got, you've got to get creative when, it, when these things happen. Maybe you can carpool other people you go to work with and you you can share a share a vehicle together, and you know a couple of times a week you you, you know you're taking turns so there's that that, that that kind of thing but i don't think there's necessarily any answers um but it all comes back to how are we managing our cash flow what things can we cut back on what things can we uh, You know, you're going to isolate it to what's truly important in times like this. And then maybe say, do I need to increase my income too? But that's not always easy either because, you know, we don't want to make people work seven days a week. And that's actually a trend that's going on at the moment. You've got more than Australians now have two to three jobs. So it is a genuine crisis. It's a crisis out there. And it's not just Australia, by the way. This is going on
1: in um, uh, the UK, Canada. It's going around whole uh, the whole Western world. And I guess our conversation isn't just at the speed of those who might be challenged uh, at the uh, survival end, but it also is for those who've got that extra money in the bank and wondering what to do with that when there are hard economic times. So uh, we'll invite listeners to participate in our conversation. Alex, let's take a call or two. Andrew is in Canberra. Uh, Andrew, welcome along. Yeah, hi there, Neil. Um, my question just is about, um, I've got a financial
3: advisor, um, but I've only had that person for about a year. And since then, uh, like I was speaking to another like finance person and they didn't know I had a financial advisor, but they sort of said, oh, if it just so happens, it, you know, it's good to get maybe a, a Christian one. But I'm probably going to stay with who I've got. But what my question really relates to is... Um, I mean, what should we be mindful of if um, we've got a financial advisor? For sure, they might be a a person of good character. Um, But, uh, you know, like how might we need to be mindful of thinking, I hope that my Christian worldview is sort of played out in maybe the financial advice they give me. And bearing in mind like um, having sort of basic things like uh, tithing and free will giving and no even... um, bequest a Christian organisation when I depart this earth. But um, what should we be mindful of? Because I'm sure there's lots of Christians out there with non-Christian uh, financial
2: advisors. Well, let's get a thought
1: or two from you know, Alex. Actually,
2: thanks, Andrew. It's actually a great question. And uh, I think it's, um, it's, as you say, quite rightly, there are a lot of people out there who are Christian getting advice from non-Christian advisors. I think the... I think the very important that you as the believer seeking advice from a non-believer is that you're very upfront about what you believe because most advisors are good people in the sense that they're trying to do the right thing by the client and align what you're trying to achieve with how they can manage your money. And so, Having those sort of discussions with them, being upfront, you know, it could be, for example, if you talk about investing, saying you know you want to avoid certain types of investments, you know, because they're you know breach of Christian ethics. You know, like gambling could be a good example. Um, so you can have those sort of very upfront conversations. But of course, it's also an opportunity to witness to the advisor. Um, the reality is, just because someone uh, is a Christian doesn't necessarily mean they'll be a good advisor. Christian doesn't guarantee competency. And and equally, you might get a fabulous non-Christian advisor who's very gifted at giving very high-quality advice, and and you actually end up with very good outcomes. But I think you just need to be mindful of a biblical mindset as the client uh, where you sort of say to yourself, well, I'm stewarding God's money here, and so I need to honor God with, with my giving, with all those sort of things. And because some non-Christian advisors will say things like, oh, you know, if you look at your budget, you're giving away too much money and therefore you can't save as much for the future. So I think the opportunity here is you actually say, well, look, that's sort of a non-negotiable. You know, I believe in my life. I want to live generously and I'm going to sow into things and I'm not going to cut back on those things just in order to save and get ahead because I believe that God's going to provide for me anyway. And so you can have, I think, those very open conversations, which I think would be, Great witness, but also um, you've got to ultimately stick to trying to align your finances as much with God's word as you can. Um, the only thing i would warn people with non-Christian advisors is the temptation to take on too much debt. You know, there's a real uh, obsession in Australia with gearing, borrowing money to invest. And I think that's uh, that can be good, but it can be very bad when you're in a high interest rate environment like what we're in now. So I, I just encourage people to make sure they know God's word. So if they're getting told things by non-Christian advisors that aren't that wise, you have that, uh, you know, you have that sensible uh, approach that you can push back on.
1: Andrew, was that helpful? Yes, it was. Neil, thanks very much. Andrew in Canberra, thank you so much for your call. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen 316 316 to join in our conversation. Alex Cook is our guest, taking calls around money. Let's take another call, Alex. Eugene is in Perth, WA. Hi, Eugene.
4: Hi, how are you?
1: Very well. What are your thoughts? What's your question? Um, with,
4: yeah, with, my, with the rising cost of living, with like Alex was saying earlier, with interest rates going up and rents going up through the roof as well. Um, I guess it puts a lot of pressure on, um, and a lot of the younger generation um, couldn't afford either to buy a property or to rent a property. Um, it puts a lot of pressure on 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 housing. Even though we have good um, jobs, the unemployment rate in Australia is still significantly low. but then on the housing on the flip side, in terms of housing, a lot of people couldn't afford to live anywhere close, yeah, because we have a housing shortage so this is a little bit of dilemma going on.
1: Eugene, you're making a good point here and there's even another dimension there, of course, uh, with immigration numbers, uh, which are skyrocketing. And even though we have a housing crisis, uh, the cost of housing going up, uh, rentals going up, uh, and also the extra pressure that's coming uh, from something like 700,000 more people are coming before the end of this financial year. Uh, Alex Cook, any thoughts for Eugene around his concerns about housing?
2: Yeah, look, it's a fascinating discussion. So as people might be aware, we've just been running these marriage and money workshops around Australia in partnership with folks on the Family. And one of the interesting dynamics to me is I've had both generations come up to me. So in one situation, I had uh, the, uh, the, the parents, if you like, so they're probably in their late 50s, early 60s, come up to me and say, look, our kids can no longer afford to live anywhere near us. You know, we're in Sydney, but they've got to go up to Queensland or the Central Coast or they've got, they've basically got to move away. They've got no choice because they can't afford to live nearby. But then equally, I also had some of the younger generations. And I, I remember distinctly, I had a, a a young lady who was at university. And she basically, and despite doing a very, she was very smart. She was doing a very good degree. She said to me, I'll never own. She literally had a, quite a fatalistic approach because uh, she just felt the housing was so expensive she'd never be able to own. And so I think this is a real crisis, and I think it's there's a debate as to what's causing it. If you listen to the government, they'll say to you there's a lack of supply. I would say there's a massive excess demand driven by immigration. You know, you've got 450,000 people coming to Australia over the last 12 months. I think we need to dramatically reduce that, temp- at least for a temporary period, like I'd oh, get it to 100,000 or below uh, because we just simply, I don't, firstly, I see how the infrastructure cope, but let alone, oh, my fear is you're actually gonna see literally people sleeping in their cars. You, you know, you have single parents who can't afford to, you know, they can't afford to live in a, they can't pay the rent, they can't, they can't afford to borrow uh, for a mortgage and so they're gonna be sleeping in their car. I think this is where it's all heading unless the government takes their foot off the immigration accelerator. And that's, to me, a very quick one because you're not going to get supply and you're not going to get supply coming on quickly, particularly when you've got builders going
1: broke. (laughs) No, these are challenging times. Uh, Eugene, I want to thank you so much for your contribution. Let's take another call. Pam has been waiting patiently. Pam in Strathpine in Queensland. Hi, Pam. Welcome along.
5: Hi, how are you going, Neil? Very and, well, Pam. Yeah.
6: <laughs> what yeah, are
5: your thoughts? And Alex. Yeah. Um, well, look, um, I'm a pensioner and I own my own home. It, it's worth a, a million or more, you know. And. Um, uh, I nursed my husband uh, through prostate cancer and all that sort of thing. So he's going to be with the Lord. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. And I, I minister, word for day, everything else. And I'm a prayer warrior. But um, I have some health issues now. And I've had to uh, cancel my hospital from my um, media bank private. And I've just got the extras and that. And um, I've got... Um, Severe arthritis in my hand and carpal tunnel in my thumb and um, both hands And that I'm finding it because of my previous work and everything. Um, I find it very difficult to um, undo anything and do anything, you know, lots of, with my hands and that. And um, I went to a special... And it's going to cost me uh, 13000 for one hand, probably the 13000 out the other sort of thing. Now, I have not got any spare any money. I'm just paying my credit card and that sort of thing. The only money I have coming in is my pension. Yeah, so um, uh, if I have to live with it, yeah, um, that's fine. But, um, you know, uh, my son said, oh, you could take
1: a loan because uh, i own my own home on the home that sort of thing but i'm doubtful to do that i'm just wondering no, alex pam let's get do? a thought or two here from alex because there'll be a lot of people perhaps in the same boat uh, you're living in a house it might be worth a million dollars but you haven't got the dollars even to no. afford to continue your health insurance and uh, no. there are some challenging health bills especially as we all get a little older alex cook yep. your thoughts here for pam yeah, look, it's, that's actually it is a very common scenario.
2: It's basically that classic asset-rich, cash-poor kind of scenario where you know we've got a, you know a house that's worth a lot of money, um, but we don't actually have much sitting in the bank ready to go. A um, couple of options. Firstly, there's the one that your son suggested, which is a one that I often get asked about, and that's what's called a reverse mortgage, where essentially you take out a loan against your house. The bank will generally lend up to twenty percent of the value against the house. Um, and then you don't have to pay it back. Essentially, the, the loan and the interest capitalises, and uh, you only pay it back when the house is ultimately sold or if one passes away. Um, it's unappealing in some ways because um, even though it's, you don't have to pay any of it back in the short term, it's eating obviously into the equity of the home and then obviously it affects kids in terms of their inheritance and so forth. But it's not, uh, not an uncommon one. The other one I was thinking, because your, your house is worth quite quite a bit, you know, your house is worth a million dollars, um, is it at the point where the house is um, is too big and therefore you potentially downsize and unlock some of the equity in it? So if, you'd, know, if you we made up some numbers, let's say you sold it for a million, you bought something else for 800 or moved into a retirement village or something like that and therefore you have therefore access to two or $300,000 extra. Um, now that Often is unappealing because people don't necessarily like moving out of the family home where there's lots of memories and so forth. But it may be a good solution because you unlock a large amount of money without having to borrow any extra either. Um, because the, the, it, and that would be an easier option than the reverse mortgage because even though the reverse mortgage is very easy to do, um, it, you know the risks are that interest eats away at the value of the property and you know there's less money left over to pass on to your kids ultimately if you wanted to do that. there's pros and cons of uh of any approach really when things are tight. but there are two possibilities there that i'd be thinking about
5: pam
1: is that helpful Mm.
5: yeah very helpful thanks alex thank you yeah thanks so much yeah yeah i appreciate it yep
1: Pam in Strathpine in Queensland. Uh, Thank you so much, Pam. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Before we take any more calls, let's come back to this uh, question I said I'd ask you just before the news. Alex, Hmm. how much has our attitudes about our finances uh, to do with dealing with the struggles, the stresses and... uh, and when you're even facing a level of crisis? Uh, And, you know, is there any advantage here? Is there something in the toolbox of the Christian believer that gives us some level of confidence? What are your thoughts here about attitude to our finances?
2: Well, look, I think it's very profound in the sense that, uh, you know, it may surprise a lot of listeners to discover that money is really one of the most talked about issues in the entire Bible. There's something like 2,350 verses. Uh, And I think the reason for that is because God knew that would be a massive struggle for us. Um, And not so much just in the day-to-day administration sense of it, but more in the heart and attitude issues that flow from money, whether it's, um, uh, you you know, you talked earlier on about being envious of others and discontentment, um, but it's also, I think, having the wrong mindset towards it. So, for example, the, the biblical mindset that we want to sort of encourage listeners is to have this mindset, well, actually, all the money I have is God's and I need to seek God and honor God with those finances and to live out from that, from that point of view. Because often we tend to think of our money as ours what am I going to do with my money or couples even fall into the trap of thinking it's his or her money. So you get these kind of conflict potentially from that. Whereas when we have the mindset, actually, no, I'm stewarding God's money and uh, you know, it's a privilege to, to look after what he's given me. That changes the, 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 the approach uh, and the mindset that we have towards money. Um, but also it wrapped up into that, I think the the one big advantage of tough times, and let's be honest, none of us like tough times, but God is in the the refining business and, and the restoration business. <laughs> and uh, that part of that process, I think, is getting to know God and getting to know God's character. You know, God is a God of provision and a God of abundance. Um, in fact, I was doing a... Um, a bible study with my daughter earlier she's 13 and we were doing i think it was luke chapter 5 and it was talking about how uh, the disciples went out in the boat and jesus said put down your nets and of course they'd been out fishing all night and they hadn't caught anything and then um the, the outcome, of course, is they go out and they catch end up catching so much fish because obviously God supernaturally provides uh, that their nets start breaking. And so I think when you're in this sort of tough season, it is this opportunity – to not only to learn about money in a practical sense, which obviously I would really encourage, but also to really learn about and trust about God, God's character, what he's like. And the fact is he's a God of abundance. There's no lack of fish, right? There's no there's no lack of supply. God can meet our needs. Um, and so when we have and, you know, and one of the famous verses, of course, is Matthew six thirty three, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So I'm not trying to Downplay the significance of being in that tough time that we all, you know, we all go through at some point, but merely to say when we turn to God, we focus on God, realise what God is like and His character, and change our attitude to reflect that, and learning to have faith and trust in Him through these tough times, that uh, will make profound changes both in your own, own personal attitude and how you feel about it, uh, but also long term in terms of the way you behave with money, and how you ultimately progress. Uh, going forward. So it, it I say, it's, there's opportunity in this adversity that many of us are facing.
1: My suspicion is too, Alex, that if you are going to see the hand of God move financially, uh, then you're going to be facing that from a point where you are facing tough times and you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. So uh, what you're saying, absolutely uh, encouraging. Hey, taking calls, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 You might have a question. You might have a scenario to put before Alex. Let's take another call. Dean is in Inverell. Dean, welcome along.
6: Okay, uh, How's it going?
1: Very well, Dean. Good.
6: Look, I'd just like to make a statement. Um, uh, cigarette prices and tobacco prices. I'm bipolar. I'm a Christian that smokes and... Uh, haven't been able to quit and haven't been delivered. But uh, the price of tobacco is um, about $65 for 25 grams, which might last two, maybe three days. I think um, I can see what the government's trying to do in trying to stop people from smoking, but most of the people I know in my position and poor people still smoke, and it's costing them the earth.
1: Uh, that's one's a challenge, mm. Dean. And uh, you know what? Um You know, smoking, a lot of Christians still smoke and uh, it is a challenging thing financially. Uh, Alex Cook, your thoughts Um, here for Dean?
2: Yeah. No. Look. Uh, look. I mean, I, I feel for the the issues here because one is this that you know many of us you know have addictions, whether it's smoking, alcohol, and so forth, and that that's a burden that many people carry. And certainly, we pray pray Dean for you that you know you can be set free from that because that is a is a challenge that many many people experience on varying, you know, varying issues. Um, It's difficult to comment though, because to me, in a sense at the financial side of it, because to me the government is ultimately trying to eradicate it. In fact, there was an article I think in today's Sydney Morning Herald where I think it was in, um, I'm not sure if it was in the UK or New Zealand, I think it might have been the UK, where they've basically banned it altogether for younger generations. So as they age, they'll never actually see cigarettes at all. So they're trying to stamp it out through complete banning of it. Um, But that doesn't help you or or, or what's going on here. Um, To me, I guess it's the same sort of principles. One is obviously trying to get, apart from getting off the smoking, if you you can, which is very difficult. But the other is how do you control it from a financial perspective? How do you um, budget for it and allow for it so that it doesn't have a negative effect on, on your total financial situation? And that's hard in the sense that it's an area that obviously you'd like to cut out uh, over time as as soon as you can and and get help, obviously, uh, and prayer for um, breaking the addiction because that is genuinely very tough for many people in the same situation.
1: Uh, Dean, is that helpful? That is helpful. That's good encouragement.
6: But, uh, yeah, like um, I um, buy a lot of nicotine replacement therapy to... uh, stretch the cigarettes out and to afford it but the cigarette uh, the nicotine replacement therapy is almost as expensive as a cigarette so yeah that's what you're up with
1: and are you a part of a local church there in invereldeen
6: yes mate i go to a very good church it's uh very encouraging but uh like i said to to date i haven't been able to quit this uh quit this addiction but uh, mm. i i do have hope
1: Okay, well, let me, uh, before we let you go, Dean, uh, let me lead us in a very quick uh, but very uh, pointed prayer uh, for you. And there might be Mm. others who are saying, Well, I've got a smoking addiction or I've got addictions in all sorts of different areas. Let's just uh, say a quick prayer. Do you mind if I pray for you, Dean? No, fantastic. Thank you. Okay, well, thank you, Lord, for Mm. Dean and uh, for the challenge that he's going through right now, that your wisdom. And that your supernatural power may prevail as he seeks to overcome this addiction. Uh, Lord, we give you thanks Mm -hmm. for Dean. Uh, Lord, we ask for your encouragement to be upon every area of his life. I pray, Lord, you bring people around him uh, who will be supportive, not condemning, but supportive as he moves from Mm -hmm. addiction to non-addiction, to overcoming this. Uh, Lord, let it be a testimony on his lips, we pray now. Uh, that you are the one who has delivered him from an addiction. Bring your blessing on Dean now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Amen. God. Good on you, Dean. Uh, thank you so much for calling through. Yes, and uh, and uh, that's a really interesting and different sort of a, an issue that we've ever had uh, on uh, an, uh, from a caller mm. here. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 to join in our conversation. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 Uh, We'll take some more calls as they come through in just a few moments. Um, uh, You've got the socioeconomic, uh, lower socioeconomic and hurting the most. Uh, Let's just uh, flip the table here for a moment. If you're one of those who is flourishing and you've got cash in the bank and you're saying harder economic times, I I, I think I hear sometimes Alex Cook saying sometimes there can be opportunities uh, for people who are a little bit entrepreneurial or investment-oriented. Uh, what are your thoughts here, uh, Alex? For people who are saying, "Well, I've got a few spare dollars here," and uh, what what should I do with that sort of thing right now?
2: Yeah, well, look, there's opportunities abound in in, in different in different ways and contexts. So, uh, the, the first one, I, and I guess the um, and what I guess one to challenge listeners with is, you know, there's, there's a great uh, passage that says, to whom much is given, much is expected. So that one's, uh, I guess, a good accountability one. Uh, but the reality is there is a huge need in our society. And if you're, you've been blessed with resources, I believe that God wants us uh, out of the resources he's given us to be a blessing to others. Uh, In fact, there's two fabulous chapters in 2 Corinthians. If you read chapters 8 and 9, I think they summarize the whole Christian concept of generosity beautifully. And, And really the idea is that we are to be blessed in order to be a blessing to others. And money should flow through us. So if you've got an abundance, whether it's an abundance of income or an abundance of assets and wealth, that is an opportunity for money to flow through you in other words it doesn 't just stop with you, yes, your needs need to obviously be met for you and your family, but it should flow through through us uh, to meet the needs of others and uh, to be a to be a blessing, which obviously is a fabulous witness and leads to all sorts of opportunities and not to mention you know from what I, from talking to pastors at the moment, quite a number of churches are now starting to experience giving drop off because obviously the cost of living is starting to bite their members and so churches are experiencing a slump in giving. So if you're in a situation of abundance, you've got an opportunity to inject capital into the church so the church can keep doing uh, the good work uh, that it's doing. So that's, I guess, the giving piece, but another piece is what you're gonna start to see as economies weaken is corrections in asset prices, particularly in the share market, and that will, of course, lead to opportunities as well. Now, I think it's probably premature at the moment, Uh, but certainly opportunities often abound in in challenging seasons. So, um, yeah, always I think always to look through these things, as I say, with a glass half full um, because opportunities abound. And, of course, we've got a great God that loves us and wants to to help us through and who, uh, if we do have an abundance, wants us to live generously out of that abundance.
1: So if you've got an abundance, uh, don't be blind to the needs, and that might be needs uh, either within your own family or your close community or perhaps in your local church, Uh, but as things continue to develop and if they do worsen as you say Alex Cook especially keep your eye on the share market because as certain uh, certain prices uh, come down uh, uh, rewrite size all sorts of things like that uh, then there may be opportunities taking calls 1 eight hundred 316 let's squeeze in perhaps one more maybe we can get into Carol is in New South Wales hi Carol Yes, hello. Nice
0: to hear your voice again. I hope you had a nice break.
1: Um,
0: Look, I just wanted to encourage Dean. My late husband and I were in ministry, and um, I'm a bit of an old school girl. Uh, Hudson Taylor uh, did a piece, and also R.A. Torrey, who wrote... letters uh, to laymen, and the part of uh, praying for people i um, appreciate your prayer for dean uh, but for um addictions whatever it may be is ra tori uh, did a section here and i've put it into practice and many people have been delivered from cigarette smoking and also sexual addictions The young men and so on and so forth that I've done ministry with. And it's all looking at Christ as our deliverer, that what he delivered us from. And it's virtually, uh, dear Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross and you took this addiction, name it, whatever it is. And I thank you and I give it to you. And by faith, I thank you for delivering me from it. And I would say to people, Don't get condemned. If you pick up a cigarette, you just say, I thank you, God, in advance, Jesus, you've delivered me from this, and then put the cigarette out and thank God again. Some people are delivered immediately, some are a couple of days, and it works with pornography and sexual addiction and alcoholism as well. It's praising and thanking God for the work done and looking at Jesus as your deliverer.
1: Wonderful insight, Carol, and I'm sure the Dean will receive that uh, very humbly and others who might be challenged, uh, yes, to keep Christ uh, front and centre. Carol, thank you so much for your contribution. Let's squeeze in one more call. Uh, We've got uh, Vic in Hobart. Hi, Vic. Welcome along.
7: Thanks. Appreciate um, you uh, answering my call. Look, I was actually calling with regard to Dean's um story that I was really touched by as also um I think there was a point that Dean touched on that that um not meant this as a criticism but perhaps just um got uh, slipped through the net a little bit just in the process of the conversation and I was really struck by it that uh, he mentioned the fact that the nicotine replacement therapy uh is almost you know somewhat you know, close in terms of expense to the actual cigarettes themselves. And I just was completely struck by that comment and thought, well, you know, yes, I'm, I'm someone who would advocate for the idea of, you know, government, you know, even though I know it's difficult for smokers, but raising taxes and trying to eliminate something that is a, obviously a very difficult addiction. I've got people in my own life that, that still smoke. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I I have a a heart for that, for, for those people, but, but I just thought, well, well, if the, yes, it's one thing to raise taxes on the cigarettes, but I, I just I just was very struck by, by Dean and really felt for him and others that this, this nicotine replacement therapy seemingly is somewhere in the realms of the same um, level of expense as the cigarettes, and I just find that just crazy. <laughs>
1: Vic, I think you're making a really good point here because if the government is determined uh, to have people overcome the addiction to nicotine then perhaps that sort of subsidy to the replacements uh, might be a useful thing. Uh, Alex Cook, uh, just uh, you know, out of the blue, uh, any any further th- to add from your end on, 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 I mean, this is a financial issue too, uh, where the yeah. government subsidises these things. Thoughts here?
2: Yeah, well, I think that may be a good long-term solution to help people by doing exactly what you're saying. Um, as I say, it was an interesting call because it's not something that we'd, uh, you, you know, I'd given much thought to in the past and dealing with these addictions because it does have a profound uh, financial impact on people. And so I think uh, the suggestion uh, Vic's making is a good one. Absolutely. The government should potentially address it. Maybe a good thing to lobby the government about
1: uh, well, there might be a listener or two who might be in touch with their local, federal and local state member, MPs yeah. uh, just to run that idea by them. We won't officially following any uh, follow anything through from, uh, from 2020, but uh, Vic, great suggestion. Thank you so much uh, for your insight today on 2020. Time has come to a close. Uh, Alex Cook, it's been good getting your insights on a whole range of different things today. really appreciate you, and there are a lot of things going through hearts and minds of listeners. Clearly, uh, there are those who are struggling. There are those who are doing okay. Uh, Some biblical and Christian wisdom around that has been very, very necessary. Alex Cook, former stockbroker, he's the founder of Wealth With Purpose. You can connect with Alex at wealthwithpurpose.com. There's also lots of free resources there, e-books, the My Toolkit, there's videos, there's podcast content. You can also follow Alex on Facebook or on Twitter, and there is an Alex at wealthwithpurpose.com email as well. Alex, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart and your insights with us today on 2020.
2: My pleasure, Neil. Great to be with you as always.
0: Thanks for tuning into the Wealth With Purpose podcast. For more great biblical wisdom and free resources, please visit www.wealthwithpurpose.com.